0: Hello, and welcome to Why Are We Talking About Rabbits? That's the podcast brought to you by First Things Foundation. I'm doing my English accent because the queen has died. But there's no other reason to do it whatsoever. We are not related to English things at www.firstthatthings.org. We are related in no way except for us even being sharing humanity. Um, I want to say hi to everybody out there. This is a podcast using philosophy, history, uh, theology, and deeply immersive experiences to figure out what's going on. What's going on today is in addition to having a new editor doing even more work for us. Hi, Jeremy. Everybody say hi to Jeremy. Jeremy, say hi in your way, say hi in your way that an editor would say behind the lens who's not in the room with me. Hi, Jeremy. Today is Jim Bob. Jim Bob comes on. He's famous for Made by Jim Bob. He's a philosopher. He is a YouTube personality, and artist, and he creates memes that are hilarious. And I hope that my good friend and editor Jeremy will cut some of them in because they are good. And you're allowed to. Jim Bob told me you could. This is Watar. This is a day in September, 2022, and this is Jim Bob talking about old world, new world, deep divides that he sees from his perch as an artist in Colorado. I'm Watar. Jim Bob, thanks for coming and talking to us. hmm uh-huh. No problem. Thanks for having me. How would how would you define yourself? Artist? Um, I would call myself uh
1: a satirist, satire, meme lord.
0: <laughs> I'm already happy. Guys, you gotta go check out Jim Bob, first of all. If you're a satirist, that that's cool. That works. Um, as a satirist, were you responsible for Sally Suffering Sally?
1: Yes, I also am an animator uh, as well.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will you guys go check out this? So, more of Suffering Sally's coming. Am I right? Yes, she's just mm-hmm. getting started. Oh yeah. Yep. Tell us about Suffering Sally and the kind of satirism that you do.
1: Okay, Um, I guess this kind of satire I've always done since the beginning, um, the beginning was somewhere around 2016, um, was started with just basic one single frame to three frame comics, right? And that expanded, and I built a pretty big audience from that alone. And then I started learning animation, and I realized that all of these concepts and ideas which are mostly um, philosophically based or culturally based, where I'm actually shedding light on the absurdity of culture, trends, worldviews, and such. And so um, the when I learned animation, I realized, well, this is an obvious next step uh, to include sound, music, dialogue, all of it, right? Um, mm-hmm. To pre- pretty much take my comics and make them move. And so um, I... I dabbled in different versions of that i would i would do uh, i had, I had a, like a little series uh based on jordan peterson for a, a little bit and i realized it didn't have enough legs it wasn't saying it didn't get ah. the scope that's mm-hmm. a particular in culture that's not culture that's a one particular aspect and so um suffering sally uh who is this blue-haired sort of npc ambiguous androgynous being um represents to me uh really the embodiment of absurdity of upside down world um and the term itself is uh it it uh, describes that this these kinds of people actually i believe suffer but we also suffer them we're we're suffering them too so it's uh it goes cuts two ways and really just to bring it to light and make fun of it right um some of it um is based on some low hanging fruit targets like the npc blue haired commie socialists the ones maybe ben shapiro focuses on too much but mm. i also want to include in that world all the variety of things that i always end up talking about through my comics and and live streams as well so i just see it as an opportunity to use uh, talents not just my own people who are really good at voices and concepts and music uh my following is really creative they're not just um, yeah. consumers um, they were super creative, talented people. And so I, I want to, uh, severing Sally is also an opportunity to harness those gifts.
0: So watching you do that to get ready to talk to you, um, realizing that there's like a base to your movement. There's a base to your art by that. I mean, there's this, there's this deep bass voice that's coming. There's bear There's, there's sort of, I don't want to say disgruntled cause I'm disgruntled. I mean, we're all sort of disgruntled. Mm-hmm. But to put it in the context of this, of Watar, what we do, you're sort of trying to reach back into the old world, this pre-enlightenment world, and sort of call upon something like what I would just call sanity. But I think a lot of new worlders, deeply dedicated scientific minds, what is it, left brain or the right brain? I always forget. The other brain, not art, whatever brain that mm-hmm. is. Those cats, I don't know, have built a world where they're not funny about not being able to prove stuff. In other words, proof is sort of the way by which they make sense of the world and I'm I hear you as saying there's like a deeper proof and you're trying to expose it. Am I wrong? Does that not sound right to yeah.
1: you? Yeah, yeah, I'm using I'm doing two methods. I'm examining um other people's worldviews and paradigms i think it's a it's a spiritual world uh warfare which you, well, i think you're talking about like it's not just calling to old world because old world could have been pragmatic but untrue it could have been there could have been a time that didn't have all this nonsense but it was um based in something that we you and i maybe don't even agree with but it was cohesive that that there was they, there was this large agreement it was mm. uh homogenous mm. um and i think At the surface level, this kind of cultural war that we experience today, the rejection of like um, progressivism and all this nonsense, there's this impulse to call back to some level of traditionalism, something that's a little more pure and simple in its form. Um, But that doesn't just that impulse doesn't tell us what that is. And I think Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is examining, well, what is it? I'm, I'm actually in the process of pointing to or trying to use my compass and all everything I do to find well, what is it? It can't just be old world, and then I've mm-hmm. examined traditionalism. Well, it can't. Traditionalism is isn't in itself tell us which tradition, right? Because there's a lot of traditions, um, you know. And so, it seems to be like, especially in the right-left um, dialectic in politics, there's this new form of rejecting all this, and it comes in the form of like um, the the Nick Fuentes kind of generation. And or or there's like a sort of a white nationalist f- version, and then there's this uh, maybe there's a the Ben Shapiro version is like get back to free market capitalism. Like the, everyone almost tries to assume some demi god, right, sure. in the form of a system, right? Yeah. There are these there are anarchists, there are these liber- you know, there's even the Christian ones, which I kind of interact with, but we don't actually all agree on what this is, what we're actually trying to pursue here. And so um, a lot of my what I'm doing now is uh, interlinked with that pursuit. And there's other people under under my umbrella of content who are trying to figure that out as well. Right. And what is that thing you called? What are you uh, finding? Well, I'm 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 leaning toward orthodoxy um, as far as what's coherently expressed and maintained as as a preservation of not just. A Christian view, but the traditions tied to it. So I've gotten in a lot of discussions and some of them are pretty contentious. Um, It's no longer a debate between atheists, right? It's a debate about, well, which tradition, right? Do you maintain and do you uh, preserve, right? It's a and it's a legitimate question because there's a paradox in rejecting traditionalism, which is to say, if you come to some truth that isn't people in funny gowns, right? And you're like it can't be that. It that's too old and weird. Mm-hmm. Whatever you come to as your conclusion, there's this there's this contradiction because whatever that is, your impulse is to then preserve and share that, which ironically becomes a tradition. So, we're all after some system that we can uh not just point to but live a certain way, and then what that necessitates is customs, right? R- some form of rituals even. And I don't mean like, you know, Um, you know, Epstein Island rituals. I'm talking about just rituals in the in the way we interact with each other and what's expected of each other. You know, um, then there's uh, hierarchy. It necessitates hierarchy, which the the um, libertarians and the anarchists who follow me don't like that either. Um, But I don't see any way around these things. That um, the moment you grab something, you call a new system we ought to pursue. Well. You're basically a, appealing to some level of morality, metaphysics, yeah. ethics, yeah. epistemology, and tradition. Mm-hmm. And I, I just see that I'm just honest with myself about it, and I try to convey it, at least in my live streams, um, that none of us are neutral, right? The, this, it's a myth to state that we're neutral about our metaphysics and our morality and what we um, seek um, to be like ultimacy. Right. That we're seeking ult- some level of ultimacy, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, so that you can share so that you can go see this is uh, altering. This is, um, you know, in some um, circles, it's transformative or, or something like that. And it's all around us. It's every argument you see, even if on a quick TikTok video is sharing some, uh, even if it's minuscule, some smuggled ought claim maybe mm-hmm. of where we ought to go, right? A, a telos in philosophy, a teleological priority of purpose. And um we as men want and I would say need it. Um we need it, we seek it, we want it, because that's the foundation of our our family, right? It's not just us as singular men in the individual in this Ayn Randian world where we just pursue our own wants and desires and then that's what we teach our children we seek something bigger than us as men that we can embed ourselves in as a a hierarchical, um, peak, let's say Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. that thing. Mm -hmm. So we can go, Oh, it's more than us. It's man. It's, it's horizontal too. It's not just vertical. It goes outward to community. And so I think it's also, um, that I'm seeing is it's a, it's a masculine, um, it is, there is a war with women, not between women, like men and women. It's, there's a war that women have to fight, but it's—I believe—it's led by men, that they follow men, and that's part of that's something also that I'm starting to see in real time that the the this war that blurs the distinction between men and women it is one of the most effective tactics that let's say a um a globalist you know empire with no loyalty to nations or traditions will use and they they've done it pretty well and i think what you're seeing now is the rejection of that but i don't think everyone is unified in on what basis they're rejecting it does that make sense
0: yeah it does it also you use the word follow men women follow men so now you're doing this thing right and i i understand fundamentally in an iconographic way what you're talking about The problem is the concept of equality gets inserted in between your word follow there and men and women. And Mm -hmm. so explain what role does equality play in this? I I think you're describing apophatic. I think you're explaining an apophatic life, a life where you don't define what God is as much as what God is not. And then by definition, you're describing a life led by a human being that's lived in humility, which is Mm -hmm. like... I don't know that you're wrong. I don't know that you're right. But I know that I'm often wrong. So I'll start there with that. And then I'm not going to engage you in red and blue argument. I'm going to engage you in a, so, something like a vulnerable conversation about human life. So with that in mind, yeah. though, how, how do you fit the equality in the equality
1: I don't, I don't insert equality. I don't believe in equality. I, I believe, um, that nothing is the only equality in my worldview is that we're all made in the image of God. Um, but that doesn't necessitate that suddenly, prag- pragmatically, logistically, how we live is somehow equal. Mm-hmm. We're not equal in our talents or gifts. We're not equal in our discernment. We're not equal in the sins that we're drawn to. Um, so we're uneven in a lot of ways. And that's just among men, let's say. But then you introduce women, the, the fundamental roles. And what draws us and what um, impacts us and influences us are fundamentally different uh, between men and women. So this notion of equality, I think, is mostly led by a Enlightenment-era uh, paradigm that suggests individuality is the highest value first. And then it assumes that women should be equal to men, but the with the iron, the the kind of contradiction there is, you have to assume they're not equal fundamentally to then say they should be equal, right? right. You're basically right. admitting that they're not, and what it's led to, at least in the form that's uh, that we see today, is this uh, this contrived attempt to make women not only equal to men, but above men in some in some ways, hmm. uh, the same way a vegan would make an animal not just equal to man, but try to elevate them above man. Oh, they're better. They don't. They don't fight wars or whatever, and you know all this banking or whatever. And um yeah. but when they're you, not,
0: they're yeah. not good at banking.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Before they're better. Um,
0: yeah, that's actually. And so, we should talk about that. Actually, no, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, Bankers, just to finish oh, this
1: one thought is that the the women they're now confused because they've been sold a flawed counterfeit bill of goods that suggests your empowerment uh should. Should show up in the world as basically impersonating men, so so making a woman equal to man just makes a man like a shitty version of a man, and then if you make man the man's uh, what they're sold on is different. it's not they're not sold on being equal with women. they're sold on being equal with God, and so that just makes for God. So the man who tries to be a god is just a God, and a woman who tries to be a man is just a shitty version of a man. So you get this like really well orchestrated uh, inversion of of what um, what's in I believe is intended, which is that there there is there is hierarchy um, and to reject it is contradictory because you need to assume a hierarchy to reject something. So it's similar to like the anarchists who are like, we don't we reject rulers. And then you're like, well, that's a rule. And suddenly now you, you just re, re, require a rule, some sort of rule, rulers to govern that new rule of no rulers. Is, it's a contradiction. So it's, um
0: it's it's the outcome, the natural and only outcome of a total materialistic worldview, in right. my opinion.
1: Right. Absolutely. I, I think that's that's key. And I try to always circle back to that on every stream I do and I even talk to fellow christians about this that the vulnerability of of men even from in my view the christian view it, there's a vulnerability to trying to seek physical material outcomes as the scoreboard mm-hmm. and it's and it's really um there's a there's a little fuzzy line there because you do You want to live consistent with your views, which will be expressed out in the world. So if we express our gifts, they'll be out in the world, like our fruits will be out in the world. Um, What we do and choose not to do, these are things expressed out in the world. But it's not exactly the same as making the scoreboard. And that's to say, well, if we just get everyone to convert to this and we finally get to this place, right, this this good place, we'll finally get there we all have a vulnerability to healing the world which is um a concept that um is in uh, i think it's i don't know if it's the talmud there's a term that's called tikum sure olam right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so there's that term but then you get it in the universalist approach right you get it even today in the catholic church this this concept of of uh, Umbrelling all beliefs under one system sort of yeah, like this ecumenical it, ecumenical stuff yeah ecumenism, the ec- ecumenism yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. perennialism and so these things once you see it from that view like what you just said you can spot utilitarianism in any given paradigm right and including your own like our, our own there's a moment where i go there sometimes my mind goes to well i gotta just you know i just i got to have this goal in my life to do xyz right and then you realize well no that can't that can't be it because if you presuppose god right in any paradigm there unless you say god is equal to matter like the world like uh you know mother nature and the tree and all of it and the squirrel is god too um but then there's no distinction between you and them everyone's just god right but if you don't take that approach all other versions um the moment you you try to equate good with actuality, um, you're in trouble. It's incoherent. But the same applies to evil, right? And so, which is, they have a, um, a relationship. Because if you equate, what's this, the scripture is, um, um, the battle of good and evil is not in flesh and blood, right? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. about power and principalities. So it's really, uh, for the most part, a battle with yourself and what your principles mm-hmm. are, and whether you can abstain from your fallen nature, right? And then if you do, you understand that you did, right? Yes. And there's, there's, that's why repentance and all this. But if you don't have that, uh, you can assign evil to people, right? Yes. And even feel really right, like uh, Klaus Schwab. Everyone, we gotta, you know, your notion, your, your impulse sometimes is like, we got to stop this. We got to take them. We got to do these things. Mm-hmm. And you realize, okay, th- these are the same things. If you try to assign evil to physicality, whether it's a person, a group of people, an animal, a tree, then you then what you're doing simultaneously is assuming that the good can be directly assigned to physicality. It's a trap either way, and so people don't. Some people don't like that because um, if they're optimists, it sounds nihilistic, doesn't it? Like if you remove something some other part of it it sounds like well
0: what are we supposed to do jim bob i'm sure you get that all the time i do i do but the problem is is if you close the loop in my humble opinion if you close the loop in other words if the world is in and of itself the world there's nothing transcendent again the materialistic worldview right we got sold i got sold in school man i grew up on this like on the teeth. If you close the loop then all we we are all utopians we all are ide ideologues we are all in a battle to to save the closed loop material rock that we're living on and then it is a battle i do think it is a battle but if if you open that loop in other words if there's something transcendent if i'm meant for something i don't want to say not the world because i'm an orthodox christian so the the spirituality is met it's intermeshed it's it's not like i'm going somewhere on a conveyor belt you know what i'm saying right you're you're in the world not of the world right so i'm sharing in the spiritual space and if that's a real thing i mean real i mean real not not like made up if there is actually a real thing then it forces me out of my utopian view and points me toward death, which is a different kind of objection that my friends have with me. Uh,
1: Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) No, I totally agree. I would even argue that when you said the materialist, if you, if you are, are stuck in the materialist loop that you said, um, that even that becomes incoherent because I've just recently debated a naturalist and, They couldn't quite understand that if you take the naturalist approach, even your statements about the world are just outputs. They're literally just mechanical um, farts out. They're no different than a stomach farting. Like it's it's no different. It can't be because to make any value claim about an utterance, right, about the world, uh, truth, you know, everything is just material. Man, no, the utterance of everything being material. The statement itself is just this uh, perturbation of air mechanically. There's nothing. It can't, it can't be anything other than that That's from right. a materialist uh, worldview. So I try to get people to reject that loop that you're talking about, because the moment you express any knowledge about that loop, you're already outside appealing to something outside of the loop. Right. Wow,
0: man, you speak my language. But I, so so I call that or it's been called. I don't I'm not Leave <laughs> me. There's a nothing new under the sun but i noticed it working overseas this deep profound it's not a battle but it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a chasm between the simple guy sitting on the on the on the stool in, in Sierra Leone and the simple guy sitting on the stool in Appalachia they have a lot in common but still the Appalachian guy has bought something that the guy in West Africa hasn't bought and that is that science can answer why questions. Mm -hmm. and he believes that and the priest has become the scientist and that priest is going to offer absolution like a better air conditioner or a better uh, you know I don't know transmission it's coming from the priests and then in Africa at least it's changing there's still a belief that uh, I don't know you know what's going to happen probably not going to fix it and I'm going to die so I want to be right with God (laughs) So Mm -hmm. the problem is, is they're also quote poor, and then you start debating about what riches are, Mm -hmm. and it gets wild. Mm -hmm. Then you Mm -hmm. get lost in a really crazy conversation because I like my house, I like my car. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we are. We love our conveniences, and I talk about this on the stream how uh, we can even uh, devout Christians can uh, start to, without their knowledge or, or awareness, can idolize their family let's say right family the things they have well god is good he gave me these things therefore you all of a sudden god is now equivalent to good things you know and you wake up one day and you didn't realize where you when you merge those two and you have to separate those things because in the absence of your good things in your house which could happen could not happen but in the absence of those things you're still like the Sierra Leone guy left to are you in communion with God and how? And so um, that's what I find it when people talk about all these like, you know, mostly atheists, by the way, have this notion of like solving all hunger. Ironically, it's mostly Christians, even the the splintered, fractionalized Christians that don't agree on everything are are doing a lot of like work in those areas. Um, some maybe have a, an erroneous starting position that they can fix the world or something like that. Sure, but sure. See but what they don't see also is that, like you said, there's a lot of people, you know, living at the, the base of some Peruvian cliff who um who aren't who aren't given their ultimate happiness because of their amenities. They, they're in this very basic, simple life. It's a similar like all these poor guys from Brazil who learn to play um, soccer in the street. Right, you know, it's not equivalent to knowing Christ, obviously, but it's um. No, but I, what get it's it to, you I get, get it. Though you get it, like the you get the simplicity of it that the the value and the wealth. That I'm glad you quoted that because the wealth isn't um the amenities. Um, and there might be a lower case wealth, but I I'd even say be careful with this is saying wealth is is family or or your because it can't be. You can have family and not have any 100%. communion with god and wow. so it can't be just the family which in my circles you know these in my in the truther community let's say there's a lot of like gnosticism there's a lot of um equating the good with um something in the world basically like like physically like yeah. something you made or or something which you know there might be some Philosophical tie there, but um, but I always see the the uh, pitfall in that
0: um, that you I'm can't equate home. wealth. I'm, yeah, I'm not comfortable. What happens with me in these talks? I want actually. Let me ask you: Are you comfortable being called conservative or something like that? Like, no, not anymore. Like
1: no, no, not anymore. These questions. Um, what what's being conserved right what it, conservative used to be near synonymous with maybe some traditionalism christianity but because of the splintering and the- modernity of christianity in the in america uh you know we can blame whoever we want there uh but Um, it's no longer conserving Christianity. Right. So what I just saw like this, my friend, he's a Serbian guy named Posh. You should talk to him uh, sometime too. He's in Serbia. He's a, he's a cradle Orthodox and he's been such a great value and friend to me because in my pursuit and my, my leaning toward Orthodoxy, I don't want to jump in because it's trendy Um, you know, I'm really examining it, not like any other thing I've examined and he's helped a lot, but, um, I was going to say, um, there was a point there. It was like, um, something about like grounding.
0: What are you conserving?
1: Oh yeah. What are you conserving? Right. Yeah. Yeah. What are you conserving? He sent me like the, the stark differences between like a, an Eastern Orthodox, like liturgy um and like a modern catholic one and did it was he, like
0: yeah is, it was whoa, whoa. i'll send
1: it to you it, it was like the it was like um the contrast helped helped a lot because you might think if you view them independently without the contrast maybe you just kind of like let it go or something but it was like one was dancing and spinning around and had lion king music right and the I've other was wow this is circular um m- muted you know in, in the the orthodox one it was it was it was sacred Whoa. and there was nothing yeah there was yeah. nothing like um novel there was no like moment of novelty where someone does like a move or something it's order. And, and, yeah <laughs> no no and, and that's when you're allowed
0: no i want to say that you're allowed but what'll happen is it's like the kid at dinner who keeps playing with his food. Everyone yeah. pretty much gets tired with you. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. There's a, there's a system there. Um, that is a good example of like, what are we preserving? And like you go, Oh, you know, are we preserving a, um, a, a classical liberal uh, foundation for conservatism, which is modern conservative. It's just classical liberalism. It, it's what, all it is.
0: How did you come? Okay. Cause I looked at, okay. I'll admit I'm not in the, I'm not in the know w- with your work, but I learned, I mean, that isn't enough, right? How, how did you come to this place? Because I don't know that's an easy place to come to in America. What, what were you were you born a Christian? Or by the I was way, I didn't a- even know you were leaning toward orthodoxy when I turned yeah. on the recording. I didn't know that. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I was born basically like a born-again Christian. I don't even know what that is. It, it's now, I don't know even. I have to look back at what that category would be. Um, and then, um, and so, yeah, very much raised Christian. And my mom would heavily tie it to uh, biblical readings and scriptures. Now we did go to a variety of different churches that now looking back, I was like, okay, that's, not, that's awful little, like everything has this like modern thing to it. And mm-hmm. I went to a church where... The pastor had a white ponytail and a red fender and snakeskin boots and a Mercedes. And there was a button, literally a button you push like it's a wonderful life where the pool opens up for baptisms on the stage, like electronically. You, right. You made so that it's, up. <laughs> No, I swear. I swear it's called the You're full gospel, ta- full gospel tabernacle, Pastor James Finn, Catskill, New York. That's exactly what was going on in there. You saw um, the
0: pool do the thing. I saw. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Um and then uh and so yeah my my like journey I went I was went atheist I don't actually believe there's actual atheists um um for like 15 years moved to L.A. did the whole hedonist thing you know special were you good at it? at that yeah yeah I was good at the cool um drawstring yeah. pants guy you know oh, funny nice. you know shocking. Invert everything. I'm an artist, I don't have to be understood kind of thing, and I realized at some point there was no I had no real commitments and so um I couldn't defend my worldview. I couldn't uh ground morality i couldn't um, and uh, as an artist, especially someone who wants to create, there's nothing more hellish, right uh, as an experience to be a creative person and not know what you're saying like not know what you have to say. You're just doing stuff, right? The the best you can do with that is technically be good at rendering something like that's realistically. Right. That's but right. if you have nothing to say and you want to say something, it's like it's like not having air, right? It's like it's like drowning. And so that that and, bothered me too a little and bit. And there's because, pressure
0: on you cuz you oh, yeah. kind of must feel like a faker. Right.
1: Point. Yeah, you're totally. Yeah, I mean that's what it came down to. It was oh, oh I'm full of shit um basically the harshest version of it was that i would say i was i wasn't even capable of faking because faking would then at at least there would be something true to fake Uh, i just i was like you can't put me in any box and that's my box like you can't put me in any box which is just self refuting it's almost like arguing truth doesn't exist it's like a liar walking around arguing that the truth doesn't exist you're like well well it makes you a liar then so um That got frustrating. Obviously, I then had uh, my first child, which changed everything. I looked at having my first child as um, like a strainer, like the ultimate colander that a man can hold if he's willing to, to shake out everything that's not. Talk about apathetic, like just everything that's not true, nothing, anything you think you believe that you're actually clearly not willing to teach that child. There was a lot of it. There was a lot of it. That's a good point. Yeah, you just go. Oh, okay, that's not necessary. None of that matters. And um, I was free enough and able to just, um, just be like, okay, that's it. Then I, I would say my my direction of art started with like just basic, silly, topical stuff. Um, and then uh, I discovered Jay Dyer. I don't, I'm sure you're familiar. I do, I do know. Who okay. Jay Dyer
0: is. So I went to my his wedding. Weirdly. Oh. But, but oh, I wasn't invited it's hard to, oh, okay he was getting married nearby and my wife was like hey i got invited i was like well, okay i'll go and it, mm-hmm. it was a casual cool different oh, kind cool. of thing and i i met him there yeah i met yeah, him yeah. at his so, wedding
1: <laughs> that's awesome so yeah he uh interacting with him i've been on his, his podcast a couple times and he was very influential because he does a lot um about paradigms about how like when you're examining worldviews, you can't just choose particulars that sound good and make a buffet of a worldview. You can, people do it all the time, but it won't be coherent because you're still not addressing through what paradigm are those things even good or true? Mm -hmm. The the things you're picking off the buffet table. And some people go, well, they're just self-evident. It's a, it's, it's inherent, right? All these things, these, the Gnostic approach, the, the universe, this, this hodgepodge, right? The Russell brand approach, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. That everything's got the same amount of truth. You just have to get to the right aisles to pick them out and put them in your, your, uh, your little shopping cart. And uh, he was definitely instrumental in, in reexamining my views, which actually impacted my, my work because then I started going after the worldview level, not the particular level, which I still do. But going after the worldview level is so much more fun and challenging because you have to be really concise in your critiques, wow. in these very otherwise uh, exhaustive uh, views, right? Like, I can mean, how easy it is to go ahead.
0: No, well, can can people understand your worldview as per your art? Are they? Yeah,
1: they they understand my uh, my view. Yeah, it's it's uh, smuggled in.
0: Yeah. And yeah. when it's smuggled in, you must get a lot of, you're, I, I notice you are, and you, you're willing to fight. So you yeah. must get a lot of rejection, I would think, and then followed by a willingness to engage because it's not a normal left, right, blue, red thing that's no. happening with you. It's
1: true. Yeah, no, the left, right is not about truth. It's about a side winning. And, um, and that's, um. That's I think that's the the next level is you go, well, no, I have to be fighting for what's true and arguing for what's true, not what's, uh, you know, otherwise, if you argue for a team, you'll make concessions and you'll uh, put your convictions on the shelf and be like, Mm -hmm. well, I had to because, you know, I didn't want my team to lose. Whereas if you're fighting for truth, you can say what you believe to be the case or not to be. And it's okay because you're not trapped by the paradigm and people are confused by that. They go, why, why you, they say like, Jim Bob, why are you fighting? And I go, what am I fighting in and with who? <laughs> and they can't answer. Right. You
0: know, because you're just stating this- your principles.
1: Right. Right. And it's like, uh, you know, that, that distinction, true, e- like let's say the battle of, of good and evil. A lot of times have nothing to do with your, your pragmatic preferences. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you said you prefer, to have the house and the things right but yeah. you're alt- when it comes down to it if it was a moment of 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 moral uh you know really strained moral making a moral distinction you would lose your house in order to pursue the 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 right thing of you course there's so. a magnitude right no we hope so but that's a distinction even knowledge of that distinction seems to be lost in these lower in my view these lower dialectic um i call them ping pong games, right? Yeah. You're just yeah. like playing ping pong and these like left, right or socialist, communist, like all this it's so silly.
0: Have you um, had to suffer as you cha- yeah. challenge modernity? You- oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I had a I had my uh count up to 115,000, Um, you know, and then I started um, you know, the the impulse for someone who wants to preserve that starts to water themselves down. And I did the opposite. Um went after a little more drastic things, uh like I think NASA uh, is something that isn't popular necessarily in the accepted, authorized circles uh, of talking uh, in art and media. Uh, You you question NASA, and you're looked at as a lunatic. So I was like, "Yeah, but I'm I fundamentally like question this stuff, uh, especially looking to the beginnings of NASA. Someone like Jack Parsons, who um, you know, he called called Crowley as." you know he had an intimate relationship with crowley and called him his father right and uh explicitly did um sex rituals right magic rituals and all of this stuff and he's like the fundamental cornerstone of mm-hmm. modern cosmology and and nasa right and so yeah. i can't just separate that knowledge right from the the current like um you know, exhibition I call NASA, but that's a whole other, that could be a whole well, other can thing. can
0: I say one thing? That actually attracted mm-hmm. me when I was digging around in your work. Uh, I, mm-hmm. Now, I don't know all the theories and I saw you digging into some stuff that I was like, hmm, I don't understand that. But I will underst- I will tell you one thing that I do understand that already makes me with you on NASA is that is how much money do we spend <laughs> to go to space? It's
1: 63 million a day.
0: It doesn't make any to me, it's one of the most awful things. It's it's, it's self hatred of our human being. I do not understand We're all right yeah. here. We're all right. Oh yeah, here, no, bro. it's
1: a it's a full on theology. It's like um, I would say there's some overlap. I would have to get into the more details. Uh, I previously looked at it, but like there's some leftover like kabbalism in there. There's a there's a direct uh, correlation between some kabbalistic stuff. Uh, Old, old mystical um, magic and um, astrophysics and the way astrophysics explains reality. There's this Mm. this coincidental overlap that's so mingled in. But then uh, you're right. Every time you watch someone report from wherever they are on on CNN or whatever, and they're talking, they talk about the, the thing they're doing a little bit in the front mesmerize everyone And they always i guarantee you every time you watch it they always come back to some sort of universalism we don't see borders from up here we're all the same always. we're so small we're so small and little and you're little and you don't <laughs> matter really you know and they're just driving it home like a really it's like some waitress telling you a really horrible dish with a big smile on their face and being like <laughs> it's it's and then like and everyone's like wow I feel um, like
0: NASA is trying to kill us, but I know they're, I, hold on. I don't mean like shooting stuff. at Right, us.
1: right. I understand.
0: Because they take this beautiful idea that I'm, let's just, let's say it's true, which I believe it is. I'm made in God's image, which makes me big mm-hmm, and then just but also small. shrinking me. Right. But also, right, right. Paradoxically, small. it's a
1: half true. It's a half truth that they're telling. Right.
0: Right. But they shrink me then and keep telling me about what the meaninglessness of our being on this earth. And take this whole beauty, this beauty of the of the incarnation, or really yeah. the beauty that God became man, so man can become God. Whoa, 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 whoa! Like that's like a profound challenge to me as a, as a child growing up to become like my creator. Think about right. it. And all NASA does is fly out far away and then tell me how worthless I am. It's just tiring. It's just tiring.
1: Yeah i think their job and what i mean and you're right especially from an orthodox perspective that they're trying to kill you and if by kill you you mean um hide the knowledge of god separate you from yeah. the knowledge of god that's death that's just it's spiritual death that's, before wow. you die right. right like that. and they want to yes. do that and they want to separate because they want to make it a an evolutionary thing um they they apply the evolutionary language into space now you know the uh, A a star was born, right? This isn't physics language. A star was born. That's that's meaningless in physics, right? I
0: don't think they can use science language in that sense. They can't. The narrative won't work. We won't get it. It doesn't.
1: It it doesn't work. They need to use poetry. They need to actually have a book um, called. um, It's by I think he was actually um, oriental um orthodox but his name was the great um michael rabbo he's it's written a thousand years ago he writes a uh-huh. whole account of creation right it's a book this thick now coincidentally um nasa has a lot of their associates and workers read this book for some reason uh, so you get this sense right on, on the superficial level through media that nasa's just strict materialist and you know they don't believe in silly gods That's the i understand to, it yeah but mm-hmm. it's not true they actually borrow language like you said you can't use physical just the physics hard language uh of physics to describe these notions they have to use some they have to borrow from a theology and so they do mix and mingle but they borrow from Christianity and they, they they borrow from some other mystical stuff and um, and they they basically create a paradigm for your cosmology. And, I, and it, people think, oh, you're so silly. People think I'm silly mostly because they have a naturalistic paradigm that doesn't account for good and evil. Right. These kind of battles that actually do occur. And I think it's wrong for even someone who's skeptical of NASA to not also um, acknowledge their spiritual warfare o- occurring it 's not just these materialistic atheists who are just like we 're going to learn more about the physical world no there's there's there 's a telos embedded right there there 's a value claim even on their website or or their Twitter handle. you know what their slogan is uh, there 's space for everyone like this concept wow. is a metaphysical claim this is not a scientific claim notion. There's nothing, there's no place in describing the physical world where you insert their space for everyone. That's a, that's an ought claim. That's a, that's a value I want to ask
0: you a question about, let me, let me take a break, Andrew. Okay. Cut in a break here. And then I have a question for you on that exact issue. First Things Foundation sends people to live on five different continents for two years at a time, living, simply, mud huts, adobe homes, getting around on public transport, and getting to know culture by learning local languages. We want you to go, and you should. We're looking for two field workers from Mozambique. That's East Africa. Sacrifice is the beginning of creation. Let's go, change your life, and go serve others at First Things Foundation. All right, here's the question. Let's come back, my brother. So I'm coming back, Andrew, Jeremy. Okay, so here's my question about that. There's this consciousness level where you and I right now, I am purposely doing an interview with you to purposely increase the amount of awareness about these deep ideas, these old world, new world ideas, the idea of the enlightenment in order to kind of join people in something like a cause that's beautiful in order to help fund both our work, but also to make us in relationships so that we may live a more beautiful life. So I'm consciously aware whether or not it's happening. I don't know. That's a different thing. You're consciously aware of what you're doing. To what degree do you think people who have the worldview you were just describing that, you know, that there's this underlying sort of esoteric religion or there's an mm-hmm. esoteric ecumenism or Gnosticism or whatever it is. How aware do you think if we put a hundred in a room, how conscious are they of their plan? What do you think?
1: Ooh, that's just uh, that would it would be totally speculation. Um Agreed. because because 100. they could be aware. That there's something in other words, I kind of relate that question to like someone who goes, oh, you really think an atheist can't sense what what's moral and not? And I say, no, they can't. They just can't tell me what that is, what the basis is. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a similar question where can those people in that room uh, access some sort of notion of towardness towards something, you know, like like a a goal, like there's something that's uh, that they are here a purpose for. I I think most people live, even if someone argues a materialistic worldview, they almost, uh, do performative contradictions daily by talking to people, by, by debating, right. By, by pursuing some idea of good in the world. So I think in, in a way they're unconscious at, at some magnitude, but they're conscious that they're trying something, they're doing something. So when you, um, Your example of you're conscious and I'm conscious, and we know what we're trying to do. I think they're actually aware to that level. I think the next level is why questions, which is why you brought that up with the science. Like, science never tells us why we ought to value science, right? They can't. There's no scientific experiment with a tube and some, Mm -hmm. you know, Bunsen burner. And suddenly they look in and it's, oh, we found, we found the it matters matter, matter (laughs) molecule. And that's kind of like the fun joke God, uh, God played is that, uh, the things that actually matter to human beings, even the materialist ones, are not made of matter. I find that uh, so fascinating and funny to me. Like I, I actually give uh, God credit for some level of humor because of the way language uh, emerges, and and you create these like funny little dichotomies where everyone's chasing matter as physical, but the the pursuit itself of chasing physical knowledge can't be justified by the physicality of the of it itself right, it, right. there's nothing in a tree that tells you the truth of things right, right? right. so i think that's just funny i like i pull that card all the time with um empiricists where i ask them to find um why you know show me the empirical evidence that we should value empirical evidence and they're just stumped
0: what do you think happened so i don't know what by the way what do people call you is it jim bob or jim, jim bob? Or? Jim Bob. Jim Bob, right? hmm Jim Bob, I'm John. We already know. Hey, this. John. Yeah. Because you have this beautiful. Well, I I don't know if it's beautiful, but it's an impressive. Your presentation online. I mean, you're you're known. You're Jim Bob, and I love it. It's a beautiful. Uh, I don't call it a branding or whatever it is. So I was like I was interviewing a a, a Rasta named John Mason for this show. I I I'm a sucker for Rastafarianism, and not because I worship it or I'm involved in it, but those cats are authentic about a lot of stuff and not just weed. Okay. They try to live this ascetic life that they borrowed in a lot of ways from the Ethiopian Orthodox and not all, not all of it. And there's something about it. I like my, and people on my show and like my wife, really, my brother's gonna be like, not that again, not that again. But yeah, that again, I love those guys, but I was interviewing him. And his name is John Mason, but that's not his name. So I was calling him Ja during the <laughs> that doesn't really work. You know what I mean? you are mm-hmm. interviewing a guy and calling him God. So mm-hmm. halfway through I said, what the hell is it? Mason? He's like, No, man, it's Anthony. <laughs> so then I just called him Anthony. But well, you're that's Jim funny. Bob. That's Jim yeah, Bob. Yeah, Jim man. Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim Bob. So that's funny. I can't remember what my point was, but I, I think what I, I what I want to get at with you all the time is, is like, can we use humor? So we call this heavy things done lightly. But you do that online, man, you, you, your stuff is like top notch. Thank you. Philosophical highbrow, but with a lot of humor. I don't know if we cannot afford to not do it that way in this weird world. That's collapsing on itself. Like, what Mm -hmm. do you think? What's the role of humor in all of this?
1: Oh yeah. I think humor, um, I think it's important because I think it softens the heart a little bit in some cases if it's done right. Um, there's humor that I believe does the opposite, of course. Um, but uh, humor also it can't be funny really. Uh, really funny. It can't be funny unless it's true. and so I think humor and truth go hand in hand, yeah, and funny. when something's not true, people might laugh, but they're laughing in a nervous way. You know what I mean? like you go to like a comedy show and someone goes to some topic. And they think they're making a funny joke because everyone's laughing, but they're nervously laughing. And so that's the I don't call that comedy. So <clears throat> I think the relationship between comedy and truth is that um, all comedy requires a premise first. So I, I did even stand up comedy a little bit when I was in L.A. for a couple of years. And um, I did get quickly the, the, the system of it. The template is you get up. You say a premise, the premise itself has to be true or at least ring generally true for Mm -hmm. people's ears to perk up and go, "Okay." then you can deliver the punchline or the act out. Mm -hmm. Then it's possible. Now, I think we're in the reason humor is so important now is twofold. One, it's a really soft way to access their listening. Right. It breaks like a shell. Right. Oh, this is going to be comedy. Oh, I agree with the premise. Or you know, my ears are open. Um, but also I believe currently, um, that we're in a war of premises. Right. So if we're in a war of of truth, good and evil paradigms, clashing paradigms, these are all presuppositional. And so I look at presuppositions similar, not the same exactly, to premises for for, um, humor. Yeah. Where there's a setup. You're stating the foundation, right? And then you're arguing the particulars. You're the same with humor. You set mm-hmm. the foundation. Then the particular is the punchline. But the punchline isn't itself the joke. The wholeness of the premise and the punchline is the joke to, as one thing. It's not one. You can't remove one and the that's other. Right. Mm-hmm. Some premises are funny on their own, by the way. Um, but I think that's the, that's what's going on. And I guess that's really a good way of putting it. I don't think I've heard it that way it's yours what did you say heavy things lightly? Heavy Something... things
0: done lightly, yeah.
1: Right. I think that's why you need access to their in a way their heart I think that's why music itself even beyond comedy I I think it you know it's no it's not an accident let's say that music the music industry is one of the most inverted satan riddled uh, industries because that gets access to your spirit. That's where you know if we were Absolutely. to rejoice and sing, which we're we're commanded to do. I mean, if that's our access, one of our accesses to to that joy, to um to even to worship, right? The sound. You know, I went to a liturgy and I was moved to tears just by the antiphons. Like there was no understanding. It was I think it was in Greek, maybe maybe not, um, but. The Still. point is that there's a direct there's a direct highway to your heart, right? And so I don't think it's an accident that the battle uh for minds and, and hearts, uh, especially for kids, is delivered through the musical medium, even more so than the comedic medium. Because comedy is a little more uh sophisticated Agreed.
0: than music. So I think you yeah, I think you're talking about the nature you could almost say truthfully truthful things done beautifully. But mm-hmm heavy things done lightly so this is a about to take a shot at jay jay dyer but Mm -hmm. there is a type of conversation that i was deeply engaged with even i i i did aid work overseas yada yada and then i did a long period in education where i was involved in starting schools and basically everything was very heavy in the way i engaged everything very heavy and kids kids really liked it they really liked it what would happen was is it would become so heavy that it almost becomes untenable, you know? It almost becomes like, isn't there something else to this conversation? Because you seem to have all the conversation correct. And then I think about a good, really good materialist argument. They do so good at locking all the points down. But what happens is, is you're still not convinced. And I think that's what's run out on the new atheists. I think between the 90s, you know, 1990 and 2010, they won the argument in the media but there was like no joy. Mm-hmm. There, there was there was no sense of beauty in that in that atheistic argument. And they tried to say, you know, like contact with like look how beautiful all this cold, deadly space is. I'm like, right. Or, oh, or liberty.
1: What? They appeal to right.
0: liberty too. Yes. Right. And that's a libertarian. That's a mm-hmm. libertarian move. And I always think, I think what's happening now is the postmodernists or postmodernism is something like F- this, man. I need some beauty and the postmodernists. Sometimes they're my dear friends, these guys, mm-hmm. because they're actually searching around in what amounted to a cold space for something beautiful that they're going to call themselves and their own expression or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's not really that beautiful, but there's something about their urge that I really, I honor. And uh, yeah,
1: admit. Oh, totally. That points to the, um, what's called in uh, it's actually the title of a book called the myth of, uh, the myth of divine neutrality because there is no neutrality like uh the same people you're talking about who are your friends i have friends like that too they can't help it it's in us to seek and assert or to attribute divinity to something right mm. now i believe that you can only attribute that coherently to one god um the christian god but um but i but the notion of doing so is embedded right so there's this that feeling of like well now everything's sterile. Now everything is just mechanical. Well, mm. well, what else now? Like the the beauty and the mechanics can't be the beauty can't be identical to the mechanics, right? You're right. you're then describing right. mechanics. So that's where they tried to get them. They go the, the Richard Dawkins. Oh, the the beauty. You don't need God for beauty. It's just <laughs> it's just the ultimate machine. It's like why isn't that beautiful enough? And you go, what's the basis for beauty, Richard? Um, And then you stumped, right? It's not, you can't just state anything is beautiful. And that Mm -hmm. gets into why even aesthetics is a metaphysical category um, that's linked to the good. And that the good needs, because if you say something's beautiful, you're you're saying also that we ought to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. So there's a moral uh, entailment, right? Mm-hmm. um unless you're just like totally an arbitrary person where you just go like anything's beautiful man like
0: everything's beautiful i think people are um, trained to say that I don't
1: know yeah I oh totally I totally they're given I mean. their little their little scripts and i mean even uh you're talking about getting like the the backlash of some of my posts i recently did one where it's this atheist holding you know it's just a zoom in on him and he's you always get this thing oh you trust a 2000 year old book or whatever which is the funniest argument cuz like the same person they'll discover some old book pre-christianity or something and they'll celebrate the knowledge of the book right <laughs> um and but i have in the second frame holding like a a um you know the 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 destiny of species book by darwin like the fact the the irony that that just because something's a book doesn't make negate it nor does it affirm it. And so there's more yeah. to what we assign truth and value to, aside from, in other words, if you wrote a book on logic, you wouldn't say the basis of truth is the book, this book, the of logic, but it's written in this book. So it's logic isn't true because of this book. The book is true because of logic, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would say the same as for Christianity, where the atheists try to get you to take a misstep and say um God is identical to the Bible, let's say, like the the physical thing,
0: right? But 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 Christians did in the West did that to themselves. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They took
1: a bunch of different approaches. And also they they did the ultimate and what we saw really rampant uh even the last two years with the with the corona stuff is that people if they're pushed into prag uh, a pragmatic choice, they they'll they'll sometimes take the deal. And I think that was just a microcosm of what happened to just like general Christianity where people were like, well, I need to go to the store. You know, I have to take the, I have to take the government money because I I need to stay open. Yeah, what else am I going to do? These kind of weak approaches. um, That's actually another thing that drew me to orthodoxy, at least at the cultural warfare level, where I started looking around and going, wow, they're not budging a lot of them on this stuff. you know some of them you know some of the sure. you know would uh, accept a general narrative that i wouldn't accept but i i didn't make that the basis for um whether or not they were awake as i would call uh, people if they see something's not quite true about all of this um so um yeah that what, whole what, like trade off was a
0: gradation right it it was mm-hmm. it was it was a, a gradation and then but basically the orthodox i think they didn't. They didn't go all in with with the government. Now there were there were there were bishops that did. There were bishops that did. How did you do in the pandemic? Like as a person trying to manage feelings, emotions, mindsets. Uh, how, how did you do? At
1: first, I was very angry, and I felt like I was in a total, like a movie, like a psyop, uh, like a psyop movie, like like, you know, when there's this feeling of like. You're the only one who has it correct, and everyone else doesn't. And you feel like you're in the total upside down, where no one's believing you, Mm -hmm, and you can't mm -hmm. believe they're accepting such craziness. And you're you're like, I cannot believe how people are acting right now. It was like that. It was a I went through a little bit of a panic, not because of of the narrative, but because of how easy it was for, um, you know, sort of. A group of conglomerates, corporate, and and government to basically deliver uh, a narrative and have everyone really just interact through their screens and uh, and basically what I saw is the power of a screen informing reality that's not actually consistent with physical reality. In other words, like right
0: around you, right right around you, you could you could live a life that wasn't consistent with With the the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same it was like me. a, it was like a, it was like a, I saw this one comic. It was a person looking at their phone and the weatherman telling him it's raining and it's sunny out and he's holding an umbrella. And he's like, the screen is telling him his reality, even though his direct reality doesn't add up with the screen. And I think that was one of the main things really in play. Once you really look at it is that there's this, uh, I call it the guidance system because again, I, I do a lot of like critique of NASA and I see their the guidance system of NASA they sell it as, "Oh, it's the system that tells the ship what to do. I think that's just a euphemism for you're giving a bunch of people data points right and and you're you're guiding them through systems and screens to tell them what reality is and um there's no um there's no reference point for the ordinary consumer of data to reference to know if it's true or not. They just have that's to true. kind of go with it. Yeah. I equate it to like uh." I used to scare my brother. I knew he was afraid of uh, spiders and I would tell him there's a spider on him. And even if he kind of knew I was messing with him because I had done it enough times, he still wiped his shoulder. Yeah. Right? You freak out, you react. So I think that's a that is like the the best uh analogy I can do because because at a wide scale I think there was a bunch of people who just were reacting as if there were spiders on them because it was more more useful to just assume that that was the case just in case it was right. So I'm going to do all these things just in case, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe this really is bad. I should maybe take precautions and all of our, all of our heroes, you know, I always, I went after Peterson pretty hard too.
0: Yeah. You What's know, your gig was, with Peterson?
1: I, I just, I just poke at him
0: because you do a nice, I, um, uh, you oh, do a nice thank you. Peterson voice. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, well that was the, I knew he was kind of like a pseudo intellectual I saw right away fair, that uh he was just borrowing the bones of Christianity and then making a, a self-help gig um and I think a lot of people see that now when he cries and stuff people maybe go well I'm give him the benefit of doubt maybe he is coming too maybe he is uh, gearing toward it but he's just having a, a tough time I'll I grant a little bit of that but you know he 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 was elevated to success because he stood for these like really strong convictions And uh, he spoke out for years against authoritarianism. Then this thing hits, right? Where you look around and you go, I don't see anyone fainting and dying. I just see a lot of people like panicking, looking at a screen. What did he he say? He said, well, I think it's best we just sit tight for six months. You know, it's like, we'll just work it out. You're like, six months is a pretty good amount of time for let's say this unelected technocracy to take over supply chains, right? To what shut happened. down small businesses, to to get people in debt, to to try to maybe create a like a scale out some UBI, whatever they want to do, right? There's a, there's a that whole system was so so many people. It was like a bunch of different categories of industries eating a, a wool carcass. It was like the media version, the Zoom, the virtual reality, genomics, vaccines, um, media. I mean, everyone could take a bite of this thing. And uh, he's sitting there going, yeah, just, you know, everything I just told you up to this point, just put it on hold and wait for the authoritarians to kick in. I see. That was the point where he lost me. And then he's like, I'm going back on tour. You And you look, I, I would never pay to see him, but I, I just checked. Lo and behold, I go to his site. The bottom, it says you have to be vaccinated to see him talk. Right. So. Oh, this inconsistency needs that. to be highlighted right and so um m- yeah maybe the criticisms can go too far um uh, uh, but that guy needed to be outed for a number of reasons and that was i just gave you a couple do you There's you think, probably more though
0: do you think so i'm i wouldn't pick up a lot of these um arguments against what you're saying i just in my own personal life they they make sense to me the thing is i don't know right i I like to remind people i don't know and so mostly about that stuff i can tell you what happened in my own soul and what happened around my neighborhood and that wasn't much in terms of neighborhood okay yeah i was in south carolina so we can debate all that but do you think I just had a great talk with a guy that comes on my show. He's my one of my one of my postmodern sort of atheist friends, and we call Mm -hmm. him Uncle Seth. He comes on and we battle Mm -hmm. in a good way. I love the guy. Yeah. Do you think we can put it back together? So I think there's two, there's a meta conversation about what's falling apart that's got nothing to do with the pandemic. I think it's coming apart anyway. I think the pandemic is actually an example of what was already broken. I don't think the pandemic is like some. A, autonomous event like i don't really think like that especially oh yeah people, i agree Just when people jim bob are telling you there's another one coming it always freaks me i'm like how do these people know this stuff i don't get it
1: well i think they know that for the same reason you are looking at it. they just have a different conclusion where they they try to make these things very significant but but like you said early in this chat there's nothing new under the sun it's just another attempt to have you basically worship a false authority, establish false authority in man, right? I don't think, I think at the the highest spiritual summarization of it all is, is where's your faith? Is it in men, right? Strictly in men, right? Or is it in or is it in God? Are do you really believe, like for any of the Christians, do you really believe, not just like it's useful, it's a nice story. Do you really believe that? there's only one story happening and you're in it, but your it's not your story, right? It's not your, it's his story. And so if you really believe that you'll, it actually frees you because it's not a question of what should I do in my life to make this life worth it? So I can leave behind some historical evidence that I mattered, this kind of stuff, right? My legacy. No, you're in someone else's story, right? There's all, there's a beginning, middle, and know end. you know what
0: that is, Jim Bob? Muslims taught me this, living in Africa. That's obedience. You have to realize you're obeying or trying to bend yourself toward the will of the story you're in. Not retell this. You don't get to retell that. Can you imagine? You don't get to retell that story. You're participating in it, which means you should probably obey the, the physics of it. It has its own embodiment. The story has its own way of being. It, you should participate in it as it is. And not try to bend the story to who what you want it to be, and I think the American experiment is the the, the ladder of bending it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would I think you're right. I think that the the whole experiment is even with the I call them the the founding feathers with their little feather pens. I saw who, that. I you saw know, some of your right Yeah, you know they go well. Let's just twist it a little, and we'll include God general. Will include a deistic view right where it's just general where you know all men created you know um are, are given god's you know rights or whatever these concepts of rights even right all of these these concepts they're really bending god's moral law into mm-hmm. a man's version a, a modern man's legal version of it like a legal document to replace the bible right mm-hmm. to And you realize, well, that just leads again, what it led to is is uh, classical liberalism, individualism and the the basically the withering away of of something bigger than man's personal pursuits. Right. you know, it's not an accident that Ayn Rand uh, elevated herself to notoriety. You know, the. The woman who doesn't blink, you know, selling men. You know, the greatest the greatest value is your pursuit of your own wants and desires. That's what you do, and and I, they ate it up. They were like, "Yeah, I get to sin a lot, and it's okay, you know. Oh, like I, I get to abandon my disciplines, right? Th- that's all it's saying. It, it's straight up, do as thou wilt, right? So do as thou wilt is is I believe tied to this sort of. Enlightenment, this, this, the founding fathers, the American experiment is mostly individual based and it, and it actually withers away something more foundational than just your own pursuits because liberty itself is not equal to good. Just look at San Francisco, look at Burning Man. Liberty itself is not the good, right? And people don't grasp that, especially on the right. You know, they, they, you know, these libertarian based so-called conservatives are are really arguing for a liberal view right they're just
0: they're just you are an interesting spot right now you i you got to keep going man because you articulate you're an artist your stuff is funny you know i i don't know about everything that's happening quote where you are in that world whatever that world is i'm in it too man Mm -hmm. but I mean, I'm interviewing you and we're sitting together. I don't know because there's a lot of what I would say um, illiberal. I don't mean they're progressive. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some authoritarian mojo over there that makes me nervous that if it's not grounded in the context of the church, it, it really is just pretty ugly. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's dangerous stuff. And so I'm not really all in on that, uh, the the all, you know, alt stuff, but I will say you're in an interesting place because I feel like you and I are both having the same conversation about a third way. There's another way, you know, to be where you look like really like, I always say the best Orthodox, how about this? The most spiritually inclined person on one day can look super lefty and on the same day look super righty. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you, you probably want them to look like that. Mm-hmm. you want him to be off because he's not of this world you know or she's not of this world so that's interesting to me
1: yeah yeah it's totally the case because uh what the thing you were saying before with this bending right well let's bend you know what's interesting about bending is like that's what a revolution is it's this bending mm-hmm. that connects to itself as a circle but from a christian worldview there is no revolution you know there's no revolution right you don't that's that's conforming to the world, right? So yes, this right. bending of the the will, bending toward your will, is conforming conforming to the world, the things of the world, right? Um, but the bending of anything will just lead you in a circle, right? There's no there's no uh, telos. There, there's no like that's objective right. place that's to right. get to. You can't get to truth from a circle, right? You know that's you know right. you bend. Um, right. And that word is so uh, present, right? There's a revolutionary spirit you know uh in in certain uh sections of christianity definitely in judaism uh, but also beyond that there's a revolutionary spirit in like this new enlightenment uh, new age russell brand version um there's a there's a revolution in the general truther community which i'm sort of in where they sort of bend closer to uh mysticism and gnosticism and Mm -hmm. like these like These takes about mathematics and numerology and all these secret, um, you know, esoteric and occult knowledge that we have to gain from the world. Yeah, that's that um, Freemason
0: mojo, right?
1: Totally, totally. And it's very appealing to them. Why? Because they they really don't maybe believe that this isn't all there is, because if you start if you can't get over. If you can't get over it, if you really believe this is all there is, where else could you go but to conform to the world? There's no other it would be actually logically consistent to conform to the world if you think the
0: world is all there is. I tell you my spiritual i, I was I would quote my spiritual father if you if you guys out there are orthodox, you know that that's something that happens in the Orthodox world, but I'm quoting here my spiritual mate, my wife who who saves me all the time. So we're having these debates all through the pandemic and, you know, trying to run this nonprofit and send people out in the world. It's hard. It's hard to keep people at sight. It was hard to keep people doing these small projects and and helping people and yada, yada, Uh, you know, and then you're hearing about the shots and then you hear about the mandates and you just start to realize, who are these people? This is like, we got to do something like Mm -hmm. we're talking about, Mm -hmm. like, ah, and then I'm saying, what do we do? And, And she's like, I think, we do exactly what we did the day before you heard the word pandemic, or the day before you heard about your mom dying, or the day before you heard about any apocalypse, bro. You're just going to stay humble, love your neighbor, <laughs> look toward God with awe and respect and honor and love, and then just that's what you're going to do. Like, that's, prep- that's prepping. Mm-hmm. That that is, I, I agree. I agree. That's all she kept saying, and I kept wanting her to have this plan. No,
1: like, no, you need. That's exactly what we get into. If you have any following at all, and you have any influence, they they start coming out of the woodworks and going, Jim Bob, it's not enough. Where's your, you know, we got to do your the plan. Thing. You go, what thing? Did you see any face paint on me? Like, do you <laughs> you want to get on a horse and scream with a Mel Gibson wig? Like, where are you going? Like, I always ask, where are you going? And, they, and immediately they have to say, well, not here. Well, no, if you're actually in, you know, you're in the world, but not of it. You have to battle these things here and now, like it's yeah, with I you, that, it's with Jimo. your spirit, it's that. with your, you know, where you go. And and so if you go to this, um, again, uh, if you if you if you think that the battle of good and evil is physical, then you're going to be always uh, in the weights wanting because You'll never be able to isolate what's good and evil in the world, and you'll never find an outcome that um, aligns with that metaphysical view because it's fundamentally two different categories. There's in the world and not and and not of it. There's the metaphysical. There's heaven and earth. There's these things are all uh, perpetually uh, cited and referenced even throughout the Bible. This distinction, right, of the things we want versus the things we just have. The mm-hmm. things, you know, you know, this this battle of wanting, right? Is uh is endless, right? And it's like if your want is not communion with God, you're gonna be left just unfulfilled.
0: I, that I would call that out of alignment. And and by the yeah. way, this isn't about preaching. That's not what it's about. It's not any more preaching than it is when you hear, you know, a basketball player asking, how do I make this free throw go in? You mm-hmm. want the free throw to go in, man. Uh, show me. And I, what I'm trying what I'm saying is I'm learning every day like my wife is teaching me like I want the free throw to go in. I want to be in alignment with the way I'm supposed to live. But he people here religious. Mm-hmm. That's also a red herring. That's also not possible to not be religious as a human being. In fact, I think that's the very characteristic of our nature. That's what makes us not a dog. Like Right. I think
1: I believe that too. Yeah. Well, even look. to argue, argue otherwise this, you know, is being religious. Like you were, I always find it funny, especially the vegans I get into it with. They, they make these value claims about um, animals that try to equalize us. But then you ask for the animal that's make having the same conversation about us and you, they're not to be found. So mm-hmm. we're the ones making doing philosophy and moral uh, evaluations about animals and trying to equal, you know, and yet you go, well, obviously the, there's a, there's a contradiction in the very notion of making these claims because the animals aren't doing it. They're just, wow. they're not sitting around debating. Well, we're not that different than human beings. Like we both evaluate moral decisions and stuff. And, you know, we both believe X, Y, Z. No, they don't. They don't, the animals are not doing that,
0: you I know? know? I know. So but that's, wow. That's, that's the desert father's, the ancient sort of spiritual leaders of the you know the, the of Christianity, they say crazy stuff about animal behavior that they wouldn't even tear themselves apart. They wouldn't, you know, lions wouldn't hunt lambs, except for that we have that in our heart. They've taken our lead. In other words, the volcano goes off and smothers people because of my heart. <laughs> Think about that. Because the power, the majesty they place inside the human soul is that it it is the leader of everything we see in creation because God has made it. So I like that when humans are uplifted. It should be that we take on that great challenge. Not that the, the evolutionary narrative makes us one of the others and just one of many, and we just happen to be at the top because our brain's bigger. It's so Yeah, it's, this, big,
1: it's this so silly argument, accident, this concept of an accident um but also like you couldn't even come to that conclusion because you really even even from a a strict evolutionary position it's not only that we're just that we are different particular me- um organisms in a giant mechanism but if you're really honest with the the naturalist take you really couldn't even make ultimate distinctions between animals and man at all like they wouldn't even be categories because it would all just be one Massive mechanism that would reduce humans and um whatever platypuses as just mo- molecular things, like oh, molecular. Good. You know, like from a the highest, the the lowest resolution. The lowest resolution, there is no distinctions. It's just one machine. It's monism. It's it's all is
0: one. um And so,
1: yeah. That, but but by the so way, silly.
0: by the way, you could argue. So. I'm one that looks at history, and, and I study history and say, and say, we confuse often the outcomes with the inputs. So mm-hmm. we think like, oh, look, the reason that we're so good at technology is because we've learned. But I would argue that the input of material atheism allowed for the technology. In other words, when we shifted our worldview and our paradigm, it allowed us to create things we would have never even conceived of before because that wasn't our telos. It wasn't our goal to feed ourselves to the point of obesity. The goal was to was to meet God. Now, don't get me wrong, not everybody's doing that, but this, the conversation, however limited it was in culture, was to meet God. Therefore, why why am I doing a steam engine again? And there wasn't a way to conceive of the steam engine, not because I wasn't capable of it. Like there's this weird evolution argument: well, we became capable of it, or something. We were always capable, but we didn't want it. Right. It's uh, a yeah, fi-
1: It's efficiency as the end, right?
0: Uh, right. Confuses efficiency God, almost. Yeah, as you, the and God. you can't
1: because efficiency—it's not even coherent because efficiency describes uh, an arbitrary goal. Are you effective in X? but efficiency itself is now sold as the goal. Are we being effective? And no one questions, well, no, the the goal is obvious. It's to survive. The evolutionists will say, well, it's just to survive and pass on genes. No, no. you're assuming that, right? And and you're appealing to efficiency. And so when, this is the difference in, uh, even in uh, architecture that we see, there was no real efficiency to these beautiful structures, right? You didn't didn't value efficiency to make the piazza or the, the, the beautiful cathedral with the floating dome or an arch, right? An arch to the entryway. It's symbolic. It's appealing to experience. It's not appealing to effective use of real estate. Now, when we switch over, like you said, from the materialist brain, we look to efficiency and that's why now everything is in gray beige boxes um in in shapes that uh can consolidate and think make use that. of every square that's, inch that's right. and then you realize well that's not what gives us joy and value and communion with god is it's it's not efficiency efficiency isn't the god no. and i think people are realizing even your as you mentioned your your friends who are done with this view in a way they're looking for some sort of divinity and obviously it's not found in amazon warehouses with um the best use of space every square foot right because you still go to italy and you go to the piazza and some guy who owns the real estate conglomerate in america goes there and maybe they get a moment where they look and they go what a waste of the! What a waste of real <laughs> estate! You can shove how many tents, you know, to pay three hundred dollars a tent to be on here on Sunday, and you go, no, that's not the purpose of the, of the piazza. Like that's yeah. not the purpose of that form of communion, right? Yeah. Uh, where everyone's out and there's room, and you can cross any direction to get to the opposite side, um, and so it just did... doesn't make sense to those people.
0: So what should we do, Uh, my little crew here, First Things Foundation folks who'd like to come to our podcast? We can find you online, right? You do it. Yeah, made by Jim Bob.
1: I do a live stream on uh, YouTube where, you know, I get a bunch of random people sometimes. I I even encourage dissenters to come on and challenge any things that are said. Um, I usually have my buddy, Posh. I mentioned the Serbian cradle orthodox, and he helps when we um, talk about scripture or proper um, interpretation because i'm learning that even my impulse to uh, uh to talk about orthodoxy still has its its rules right and i can't just go oh, into okay. it with my own
0: yeah, ideas
1: right. even if they sound good or they're novel and they're smart or whatever i'm learning that um i can't just talk about this stuff the way i talk
0: about just like an everything iconographer else. you don't right. get to just whip up the icon you, you, right. you have, yeah wow man is yeah. that hard and for i you? like that
1: I oh, no, no, like I it. I okay. I like that because my creative, um, you know, I like spitting off the cuff and with no consequences, but where there's consequences, I know there's also value. And so I I um I realize, oh, well, that's you know, this is the hierarchical thing that we all seek anyway. And so I like that. I like the constraints. Uh, even in my creativity, like if it's music or painting, I like the constraints also. They they actually um make it more fulfilling to to go you know to explore whatever you're making in this case mm-hmm. uh discerning scripture tradition um how to you know how to what's what's uh worship what is what's worship right mm-hmm. is it any anything's worship well, I reject that because uh, I couldn't go to an art class and say um you know the teachers like we're gonna have an art uh competition and everyone's like, cool what are the standards for judging and they say none. You know, who's going to win then? We don't know. You know, whoever's the loudest, the whoever vomits, on, whoever vomits the most on the on the floor or whatever. <laughs> um, and so um, that's that. I think me what people watching me in real time examine and ask and inquire about orthodoxy, just documenting it itself is being very valuable to people um, because no I'm doing it. I'm doing wild. it in live live right you know i don't share every interaction i have or private conversations with people about it um but people are actually able to see some of the things that i come up against and that other people and i just let them on the show and talk about it and then we get into all sorts of really interesting contentious territory right the gnostics come on and start spouting the numbers and what the you know jesus is 3.14 why don't you get it all this stuff it brings out the crazy by the way um because because people who know god exists also know in their hearts that the truth is a narrow road but if it's narrow then they can't have all these other possible like routes right oh I, I, why can't i just interpret it how i like it right mm-hmm. and and uh i understand why people get um uncomfortable with that uh but at the same time if you're honest you can't You can't just have this like subjective open up any page to the Bible and whatever. You know, it's like the Bible isn't a giant horoscope, right, where you just open it any day and go, well, it's amazing that this relates to me today. And therefore, it's true. (laughs) That can't be the basis of your biblical um, uh, uh, appeal. Right. And so even though even if it probably would work, by the way, like you can just because it's so rich with truth. And 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 story and um, literal truth, but also um, parables and stuff. There's it's it would be hard uh, to to argue that any page you open, you wouldn't get something right of value. You would, but that's not the question. Is through what interpretation are you claiming something's valuable? I... And this leads you to this hard road toward something that's more narrow and just doesn't permit like you said with the iconographers oh i'll just can't i just do one michael jackson you know it's <laughs> like a it's like a callback you know can i do a callback that's and right, you go no right. no you, what are you preserving nothing you're filth you know you're perverting yeah. everything so um anyway well, that, look
0: i i think this i i feel like i talked to you a long time man so will you come back and then maybe I'll show up over where on your stream and, and and cause some problems over there sometime. Cause I love yeah, definitely. the lightly De- part, man. I like definitely. Lightly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and otherwise, um, I'm on my fourth book. Um, this is when I do get deleted, this is a, a sure way of, of not Great. getting deleted. Cause you can hold it. So this is volume four. It's called uh post truth booster. Uh, appropriately. Um, it, it's a uh, hundred pages of really funny comics that nice. that uh comment on philosophy uh l- l- least philosophy mostly the the nonsense of the last two years or so and how ridiculous some of these things are getting uh so it's super funny uh every every copy signed uh personally and um and uh They're you can brilliant, get it made by, by Jim way. Bob the, oh, I spent I
0: spent a lot of time looking at I, I have to admit though Sally made me really happy she that is Sally but Sally's meme, a new level. Sally, yeah, Sally, keep going. Uh, and guys, do pick up that book. I'll we'll include this. Jeremy okay, and fine. I will include this uh, with really bright links. And um yeah, this was this was beautiful, man. I really thank you. I, I really hey, no did. problem, man. I really appreciate Gave it. me uh, a lot of you- your time. Okay, mm-hmm. that was Jim Bob. You can find him at at Made by Jim Bob. We'll put in the link. And it might even appear right there on your screen. I don't know if Jeremy's in the mood. But that was an interesting interview. I had no idea, Jeremy. I had no idea how deeply uh, sort of invested Jim Bob was in this ancient Eastern Christianity thing. Fantastic. Well, fantastically interesting, anyway. I had no idea. Check out his artwork. Check out his memes. Check out where he's going. I mean, He's challenging. He's challenging a lot of people in a beautiful way. Uh, at least he's trying to use beauty in order to challenge. I don't know what you think about that. Check him out. Man, I was I like glad he came out. We had a good talk. This is Watar. This, well, is brought to you by First Things Foundation. We send folks overseas to do hard work in the uh, aid industry known as international aid but really we're at home too here in Appalachia think about joining us think about supporting us I'm asking you right now become a recurring donor and when you do what happens is you get free entry into our portal of classes you get money off on trips when we take them and come to the restaurant we'll give you a free hajapuri. that's a cheese bread that's delicious become a recurring donor, and become a friend of First Things Foundation. We need you. It matters. So, not from these, au revoir. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of yet another podcast at Wattar.
1: Stuff is like also biblical. There's certain paths. Don't get me wrong, there's times where you, you can do it. I do it all the time with the general... Narratives, I'll, I'll use a spokesperson of a certain view and I'll go after them. But uh, when you're friends or brothers, you go one to one. you know, that's biblical. You go one to one. you you go to them. Um, and because you go to them, that that in itself shows a respect, right? It's out of the public. Yeah. Um, it shows intimacy that um, if you really cared about the thing they were saying and you disagreed or you thought you were concerned, you wouldn't just go to the the podcast and do it. You would it's go awful. to the person, right? Yeah. And so, you know that that's why that even to me like reaffirms my my Christian faith because everything um, that whole system what we just went over is based in personhood that you know someone through their energies and their personhood and yeah. and that because of that that allows you a pathway to interact with them in a way that's good that's uh, that's beautiful. the right way to do it right. But if there's beautiful. abstract right? Abstract, many, you can attack anybody because it's not personal, right? So
0: you, wow, man, I got to tell you, I I really want to talk again. I I mean, like even be friends because, so I've been an Orthodox convert 25 years and you're clearly heading that way. I don't know where you're uh, on the path, but you know, it doesn't stop, right? Like you're gonna, it doesn't run out. When I think about being a Protestant, when I was Protestant, it ran out. Mm-hmm. It, it just so clearly became an earthly system for manipulating matter. Like it just became too dead to me. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying anything bad about anybody's tradition. Right. But orthodoxy hasn't run out. Like in 25 years, there's I could pick up St. John Chrysostom right now. And I'd be like, whoa, I never saw that before. It's so rich. It's crazy how, how, how far deeply. So I, what I'm saying is you're on your journey. So count me as a friend, man. However, that oh, thank shakes, you. shakes out because yeah
1: thank you yeah and my brother uh,
0: too if you want to be in touch with him i can put you in touch for sure cuz um but this is another
1: thing i love about orthodoxy is that you can't just give someone a bible and suddenly they can teach orthodoxy no, 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 no. and people are other people are mad at that like i disagree with like these people who follow me disagree they're like well that can't be the truth because if god was real and the bible is real anybody can pick it up and just read it. and i i remember feeling that way i think even my mom has that sort of inclination where it's like well, it's so simple, and there's a truth to how simple it is, but you can't conflate with the, the simplicity of of the Bible or a given scripture with the proper context for analyzing it and interpreting it over time, because mm-hmm. you're borrowing something in the here and now that required many years of uh, traditions to preserve, and then you just reject the preservation and all the systems that preserved it, but you take yeah. it now because it's a finished product. It, it can't be a finished product in the sense not to, not to say that you can just add a whole new book or epistles or something. It's that it's it can't be treated as a thing you just ordered for Walmart and it's like a slinky and it works. You Use it in any way you want. It still works as a slinky. <laughs> it can't be that because then you can start teaching fra- wrong analysis. You can and go then here's you can't what I get got out of it. You can't get right. out of
0: the loop. So All right. I think the the same problem modernity made in adopting a <laughs> scientific world vision. Like as it's God, if you want to argue that, is that they believed in this presupposition that there's something like objectivity in the seer, and now quantum physics is showing, whoa, the seer can't actually see. So Mm -hmm. now the test can't, you can't count on it because who, the the viewpoint is not what you thought it was. So. The Protestants did the same thing with the Bible. They assumed that like, God was in it in a way, that you could never get it wrong. And they don't realize, which which we do as Orthodox, is that the problem is not with the Bible. Obviously, the words are of God. The problem is with you. You don't have the clarity. You don't have the, if you don't like the word clarity, purity. You don't have the spiritual vision to read that properly. But the church, God's body on earth, has perfected the interpretation in a way where it will help you with where you already are. Just like a wise man or a wise woman, they take you to the park and they take you to the parts of the park you should go to because they know you. So believe me, that was one of the biggest things that led me away from, from from. I was an Episcopalian was mm-hmm. the way they did the Bible. It was like, why would I put that in a, in a hotel again? Well, the guy's having a hard day. I'm like, Yeah, but he might just become something totally crazy because of what he read. Are you sure you want to put that in the Bible Mm -hmm. in the hotel?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing. And it's hard, uh, uh, definitely in my circles, hard for a lot of people to confront. Because they really, there's a part of us that rejects other men as our authority, right? And there's something impulsive and partly true about it, right? We don't want to put our faith in men themselves, right? Just as men. But but then you go, well, no, you there is a level of trust with your own dad. Right. So we know that it's not faith, but there's trust. And then you go, well, what am I actually trusting here? And then you go, well, (laughs) then the line of questioning ends up being, well, um, you know do i believe ultimately believe that man can be can be god not you as a man no i but, know what but, you're saying but christ it's but, but can, can christ be a fully god and i think a lot of people deal with that whether it's a crappy relationship with their dad or something or or some experience of men in general humankind when they go they rightly say no don't put your faith in humankind humanity I would say, agree. When people say I lost my faith in humanity, I tell them that was the problem to begin with. You didn't lose anything. Um, But that's different, but I can see where they get messed up, where they go, well, now man's just trying to make Jesus God to make man God. And that can't be the case. Right. And you go, well, no, that's through what interpretation are you coming to that conclusion? So now you're in this wild West, um, you know, Give someone, a again, the grocery cart in the theological store and let them just run through the aisles and get whatever their eye catches, right? Mm. And so this concept is so self-refuting because you're still appealing to the Bible, right? So you're, yep. all you're doing is saying, yep. me, I am the authority, I'm the bishop, I'm the pope, and there's no way around it. The reason is, again, the, the product, the thing you have that you open up And there's words, and there's scriptures, and there's a story. You can't appeal to any of it without uh, an assumed proper authority. Now the only question is, is it you or not? And the the answer is, it's not you. This is why you're
0: on this journey, bro. Because you this the the perfect icon in history is the Tubingen Lutherans. So go get this book if you can find it. It might be out of print. But it's a book. It's put out by an Orthodox publisher. I forget who it is. And all it is, is the letters of the Tubigen scholars. Those are Luther's. Luther died, and then he was like, you should do what I did. I don't know Mm -hmm. if he said that, but, you know, there was a tradition. Mm -hmm. By the way, that's another thing. There was a tradition. We know it's called Lutheranism. So these cats started to figure out, like, okay, let's write down the things we believe that Luther taught because these are beautiful things. And they started to write down what is Mary. And they started write down. What is communion? And then there's a huge, it's volumes because there were letters written back and forth between the scholars. And then guess what the scholars did? This is like 1574, I think. The scholars wrote to the Orthodox patriarch, Jonah. And they wrote to him all of their discussions about what they were learning. So it's the perfect icon, which is Catholicism was going bang, bang, bang over here with crazy stuff. Their rationalism is out of control over here. And then the the protestants go whoop and put it all the way over here and they knew it so they wrote to the patriarch the middle and said tell us and finally the patriarch sent them a final letter and said listen you've been doing this for six years or whatever you're not listening do not write me anymore and then they published they published so you get this this these opposites that existed during the reformation that for orthodox for me anyway when i discovered orthodoxy i was like oh my god there's a middle there's a middle that allows me to respect science or whatever that is and also live in the spiritual world ah there's a middle and i took it i took it yeah, full on. yeah i took it full yeah on, yeah
1: that history is so important i didn't even know that particular um but i realized well any interpretation again you're gonna deal be dealing with some historicity of some things happening just reading the letters like corinth right you, you realize that there's these this back and forth existed where they're they're battling out these weird little impulses like the gnostic impulse to go well we'll t- we'll keep the church and everything but we're gonna we're gonna do a new custom it's like getting custom nikes right go, i'll keep the jordans <laughs> but then i want to wrap it with something it's and, our nike yeah it's right. ours nike yeah and this whole like individualist customization um conveyor belt style Theology, it's in it's in people to to go there. That's yeah. like they're falling because I'm the God. I'm going to be the God. Why can they do it? Why do I have to? Why do I have to kiss the priest? Why why do they wear a funny hat? Like why is it funny hats? Why isn't it just normal? Why do I have yeah. to be like these all these like incredulity, right? All these this incredulous position about what you all you're really saying is. If I made a church, it would be this way. And That's like, right. <laughs> there you go. If you have it, why why don't you have a church? Then they go. Well, I don't know. I I, I have to admit, I don't know. And they, okay, welcome back to humility. So, if you're going to pursue this, you there's no way around a fi- uh, there's no way around that you're going to need an end to a foundation, and the foundation is going to have hierarchy systems, and the foundation is going to have a history. And the foundation is going to have a story to it. So the rejection of tradition is the beginning of a tradition. That's just not the other, another tradition. I know, that's so, wild.
0: That's but yeah. when Americans learn that. It's oh, I think Listen, they're learning it. Come to Greenville, South Carolina, come to our restaurant. It's called KP. I, I'll, I, you get these emails that this is, you'll check this email, right? This Jim Bob. Yep. I'll yep. send you a couple cool links about okay. our restaurant. It's just, we're trying to put together this relationship between human beings again and so we're trying there but nice I, I love that you gave me this much time man and so yeah no problem we'll check in and consider me a friend if you ever come to the american south or i'm going to the georgian republic tomorrow so if you ever right. want to take a trip i don't know you and your wife or whatever your mm-hmm. family and you just are like i want to go do something cool come to where we work and i can hook you up bring a couple cool. friends and all that i don't know there's a million things awesome. yeah I'll just keep touch.
1: me informed and uh yeah and if you ever want to just. Say hi in the stream. You can hang in the chat or jump on or whatever. Uh, but they're always really fun, exciting. Uh, you know, multi-topic uh, streams that go in all directions.
0: So. I'm gonna, Jim Bob. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a point to come on and see and see more. Cool. I, I, you know, I watched a little bit, but let me let me get cool. in there. All right, thank cool. you, man. Hey, no problem. Thanks a lot. All right, peace to you. Have God a great bless. day. Bye. You too.